Coming up next, the booking reads, War and Peace. Welcome to The Bookening. This is Nathan Alverson, your humble and obedient host, joining you for another week of The Bookening Podcast. It's a little show where we talk into a microphone about literature and you listen, you're enthralled, you learn something, you might laugh a little bit, you'll probably cry, and either way, you'll be an, uh, an exceptionally better person than you were before. That's right. Right, Brandon? That's right, Nathan. And speaking of people who are better than other people, yeah, we've got Brandon Chastine right hey. there. You too, Nathan. Thank you. And you know, there's a third person. Actually, I should say, I'm your humble and obedient host, Brandon. Yeah. Yours, Jake's, everyone's. You are the scholar who's a baller of reading or of books. Either one. Dispute on that point. But either way, you're a baller. You're just a baller gentleman all around. That's right. Now, there's a third. Would it surprise you to learn, Brandon? What? That there's a third gentleman in this room. Seriously? Yeah. I'll describe him to you and you can see if you can guess. Okay. He's tall. Okay. He's got a giant wart. Stuffed with hair, oh. big hairy wart okay. on his face. Beginning to come to, yeah, coming to focus here. You'd be forgiven for just thinking, there's a wart with arms yeah. walking at me. Yeah. You know this guy I'm talking about? I think so. He's also uh-huh. a pastor who's a master of reading. What? The pastor, I should okay. say. There's there's only one. That's right. It's like He-Man, or no, uh, what's the thing where they're going to be only one? Highlander. Highlander, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's also a regular He-Man. Why don't you introduce this gentleman, Brandon, if you think you can guess him based on my description? Uh, he's the pastor who's the master. He's the pastor who's a master of reading. Ooh, that's an interesting point. I guess there are people in other vocations that are masters of reading, I suppose, like yourself. I think he should be the pastor who's the master of reading. The pastor who's the master of reading? Yeah, why not? So there's only one pastor who's the one master of reading. Yeah. That means you and I can't be masters of reading. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're cool with it. I'm cool with it. Jacob Mensel. Hey, Jake. Hey, what's up? Guys, we have a little bit of business to get to yeah. before the podcast commences and we talk about War and Peace, which I'm excited to do. This is like the episode where we're going to get into the nitty and the gritty, talk about the war, the peace, all the other stuff that happens in the book. Are we going to balance our QuickBooks? Yeah. But guys, first, we were sent a package in the mail by a friend of ours. Yeah. An internet friend. It's not you, right? No, he's not. He's not decidedly not. Not you. He go that's like his his famous moniker. Nathan, not Nathan. Nathan, not me. Sent us some Christmas gifts, guys. Now we love Nathan. He's one of our favorites. He said, Whoever can guess their books first owes the others the some Burger King. Okay. And then he gave us hints. Nathan, these are we've each received a package, which seems very much like it might be a book and it's wrapped in wrapping paper and all that. Uh, Nathan got the first American Gothic novel. Brandon uh-huh. got a French Arthurian romance, and Jake got a novel by an Indiana man that didn't deserve to be forgotten. Yep. And then he said, sorry if these hints were too easy. <coughs> Such easy hints. Well, and he also said no Googling, right? He, he, he did say no, no Googling, which we have not done. But let's go ahead and make some guesses, guys. Yeah, let's do it. I'll be honest. We've talked about this a little bit off mic. Brandon made a suggestion. I think Brandon is correct about mine. Mm-hmm. I... Also, think Brandon's correct about mine. I did mm-hmm. not pull this myself. I was thinking about all the Gothic novels. I was thinking about your Castle of Untranto and your The Monk and your. But none of those are American. Yeah, none of those are American. I could not remember what the original. You forgot about the old CBB. The old CBB. Yeah, Charles Brockton Brown, baby. I did forget about him, which is who Brandon thinks this is, and I think Brandon's right, which is Wyland. Is that how you say that? Wieland. Wieland. Yeah which I've never read. So I'm excited if that's what it is. I'm also excited if it's something else. Yeah. Maybe it's American Gothic by... Uh, Brad Easton uh, Ellis? No, oh, that's, that's American Psycho. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Brandon, yours is a French Arthurian romance. Yeah, I think it's one of the lays of Chrétien de Troyes. <laughs> <laughs> which one? I'm not sure. It could be Isolde. It could be Eric and Enid. Who knows? We'll find out. I'm gonna it could g- be a compilation. I'm going to guess Isolde. Thank you. Okay. I don't know why I thanked you for that. <laughs> Um, it could be a French poet I'm not thinking of. That is possible. 
French Arthurian romance. French Arthurian romance. I'm going, I'm locking in. Is this like who wants to be a millionaire? Yes. I'm locking in Chrétien de Troyes. I'm going to lock in Isolde, like you said. All right, now Jake's is interesting. Novel by an indie man that didn't deserve to be forgotten. Or I'm sorry, indie, not indie, Indiana man that didn't deserve to be forgotten. Okay, I thought maybe it said indie after all, unless it could be like anybody. It could no, be no. David Foster Wallace. It's like an indie author. Like an indie author, yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Indiana. So if it's indie with a Y, it'd have to be an Indianapolis author. That's true. Now, he said they didn't deserve to be forgotten. He did not necessarily say that they had be had been forgotten. He just doesn't think they deserved it. Oh, maybe he's being a riddle. <laughs> maybe he maybe it's a, maybe it's a riddle. So that would mean it could be uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Does this mean that Nathan not Nathan is our riddler? He might be our riddler. Whoa. I think he is. We are a riddler, guys. We should get somebody to Send us a picture of Nathan, not Nathan, dressed as the Riddler. I can think of only one person that could possibly do that for us. Yeah. Well, okay, so Brandon says- I had a guess. Brandon's guess is- The Magnificent Ambersons by Booth Tarkington. Yeah. Is Booth Tarkington forgotten? Well, I think I definitely was going like, I was like calling up people like Gene Stratton Porter, Mm -hmm. who is in fact not a man. (laughs) (laughs) I also discovered- He was definitely an Indiana guy. Um, And then Brandon was like- Booth Tarkington, idiot. Yeah. Probably the Magnificent It's too Ambersons. big to be- And I think he's right. It's too big. It's too small to be um, that other famous Indiana book. What's the other famous Indiana book? Well, let me- do we, do we know it's a novel? Yeah, it's a novel. So it can't be, uh, what's his face? The goblin's going to get you if you don't watch out. What's that guy's name? James Wickham Riley. Yeah. It's not him. Yeah. It's not a novel. It's, not, it's definitely not Ben-Hur. Yeah. I was wondering if uh, James Wickham Riley wrote a novel. And Lewis Wallace, Ben-Hur has not really been forgotten. What about- no, it hasn't. Here's a dark horse. Could it be the guy that wrote Christmas Story and God We Trust All Others Pay Cash by Gene Shepard? Could it be that? Guys? I don't even know who he is. Well, he's for, he didn't deserve to be forgotten. He wrote the thing that Christmas Story was based on. That deserves to be forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> I like Christmas Story. Yeah, you can like it and still think the book didn't. it's not so sad if it's forgotten. Well, the guy, judging by the prose in the movie, was a pretty funny writer. Huh. I don't know. I'm really cu- interested to see what your sins at being. It's probably the Magnificent Ambersons. So if it is the Magnificent Ambersons, does Brandon know us Burger King? I guess King? I owe you guys like three Burger Kings. <laughs> <laughs> three franchises, in yeah. fact. It's a lot of Burger King. What if I'm wrong about all of these? You're not. That'd be super fun. I don't think you're wrong about Wheeland because that is- Wheeland, I'm pretty sure because that was the first American Gothic. Well, why don't I open it up? Okay. And we'll find out. We can, we'll go, we'll take a turns. I'm so nervous. Oh, here it comes. Ooh. Cool. Oh, Folks, that's a good copy. This is right a there. Norton Critical Edition. This is exciting. This is a good gift. Thank you, Nathan, not me. I'm. This is like a really cool edition. Wheeland and Memoirs of Carwin the Billowquist. Nice. Got both of them right here. The trifecta or the dufecta. Edited by Brian Waterman, a Norton Critical Edition. The first Gothic novel in America. Story of religious delusion and horrific violence. That sounds like my kind of book right there. Yeah. And it also reprints Memoirs of Carwin the Billiquist, Brown's fragmentary sequel to Wheeland. This is very cool. And Brandon owes us one Burger King. Uh, I just looked up Indiana Riders just to see. Oh, you're going going to go for Google here? Well, I think we've locked in with Booth Tarkington, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a guy named James Alexander Craig Thom. He wrote an American colonial history that not even, they don't even tell you who it is. All right, uh, James Wickham Riley comes up. I wonder if he didn't write a novel. Something that, that but he's not really forgotten. I mean, Booth Tarkington is. His kind of, novel is, obviously. Yeah. Magnificent Ambersons lives on. I mean, it's a pretty famous Orson Welles did movie it, right? by Orson Welles, at yeah. least. Never saw it. Yeah, me neither, but. I'll have to see it after I read the book. After you read the book. If that is indeed what I have. You can watch Christmas Story after you read In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash. I guess it could be another Booth Tarkington novel. Or at least we got in the wheelhouse of Booth Tarkington. And Kurt Vonnegut is, in fact, Indiana, right? But he's not. Definitely not forgotten. He's not forgotten. You yeah. could say he's less forgotten than Booth Tarkington. Yeah. Well, who wants to go next? Because they have a picture. Brandon needs to go next. Yeah, I think. A painting of Booth Tarkington, or of uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Yeah, nobody got a painting of Booth Tarkington. What right. a cool name, though. It's probably got. Hmm. It's Yvain, but it is Chrétien de Troyes. This is a really good copy. Wow. And. You got a little thing too? Yeah. Wow. For $10. Wow. Oh, look at that. This is really nice. I do not have this copy. I have the Isolde, Tristan Isolde, and Eric and Anid. Nice. Thank you, Nathan, not Nathan. Yeah. This adds to my collection of books. Very cool. Jake? I got 
The Magnificent Ambersons. The Magnificent Ambersons. <laughs> by Booth Tarkington. By Booth Tarkington. So Brandon owes us all Burger King. All right. Next, uh, next episode, we will eat Burger King live. <laughs> I will yes. take your orders. <laughs> I will bring it in. All right. I love it. Folks, we'll, we'll do the Thanks birth- so much, Nathan. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Nathan. These are great gifts. Uh, wow. What a generous thing. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you, sir. And yeah. I'm happy I was right. <laughs> yeah, me too. When I had my knee surgery- we watched a lot of uh, Jeopardy, mm-hmm. and so far I'm batting 1,000 for any literary category. Because of course you are. Yeah. That's what they call it, batting 1,000, <laughs> and it's not batting 100. Great gifts. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I mean, Merry Christmas, man. I, I don't know. I don't know how to make well, my words sound sincere. Well, but... it's one of the special things about a show like this is it is weird that we get to be friends with a whole lot of people. Yeah. And, but it's special when when you get to make real friends in the process. Yeah. And it's been sweet getting to be friends with Nathan, not Nathan, and, and other people across the country. Yeah. Just because of, you know, connections we've made about books or shared life experiences or whatever opportunities to meet each other. Well, and we have the opportunity to be in people's heads all the time. It's nice when people talk back. It's nice when they send us stuff and... Yeah, well, I don't just mean like it's nice when we get stuff. It's nice when you but send people, us. Stuff. We will. But, well, you, you know, the, one of the fun things about a lot of the people that I think that we've come to appreciate the most. So the, the card that we have is from Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese and C.S. Lewis, including till we have faces, mm-hmm. right? And are so loved. They, they they want us to declare their opposition to us, right? And yet, I I don't know that there are any listeners out there that. I feel, you know, in in other parts of the country that I feel a closer uh, friendship and kinship, kinship yeah. to than Jay and Katie. And, and the same is true of Nathan, not Nathan, who, you know, I think there are a lot of things that we, we disagree or would disagree about on really serious matters. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know. We all agree that Johnny Tremaine's going to suck. That's right. Yeah. It brings people together. And that's sweet when yeah. Johnny Tremaine can bring you together with <laughs> his, <laughs> his mangled hands <laughs> or Tolstoy with his amazingness. Well, no, I mean, it really is nice. And thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you to Jay and Katie for the wonderful Christmas card you sent us. Yeah. Yeah. And which is really nice card and nice. It family, is a very nice. Lovely card. family. And thank you to Nathan, not me. And if anybody else, sometimes the conversation can be a little one-sided and you might think that's to our advantage since we're the side that the conversation gets to emanate from, but we like to hear from you. So Yeah. Yeah. And if you feel oppressed by our one-sided conversation, go ahead and uh, fire back at us. We should have an an option for people to send us voicemails with like questions and stuff. Oh, that'd be fun. We should just do a mailbag episode, actually. Yeah. You can send us questions. You can send us voicemails. How would they send us voicemails? Uh, we'll give you Nathan's phone number. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually, I'll just say, you can find my phone number pretty easily. We're not going to make it so easy as to give it right now, but if no. you want it. It's 81. <laughs> it is. It does begin 81. Right. In fact, but it, podcasts, I'll even go so far as to say it begins 812. But there are could, seven other numbers, though. You can find my cell phone, my personal mm-hmm. cell phone, and you can call it. At this point, I get so much spam garbage every day. Mm-hmm. I used to say that I would answer, and I used to answer it all the time, right. and I used to get calls, Yeah, and now I don't answer it often, so you need to leave a voicemail or shoot me a text if you find my number, because I get so much spam crap. But mm. you can find it, shoot me a message, and I'll, I will be in touch. Yeah. Send us an email through the Warhorn link at warhornmedia.com. There's all kinds of ways to get, I, I dare say, my email's out there if you want it. We're trying to, we want more engagement on Instagram. Yeah. Instagram at the bookening. Yeah. We love to hear from you. And honestly, the conversation, you know, sometimes I think people will listen and they'll hear me beating up on Agatha Christie and they'll just think that jerk. But I think they kind of assume that I think my opinion is the only opinion that exists. And and rightfully so, because I <laughs> act like it because <laughs> I'm a jerk. But the fact is, people can have other opinions like Jay and Katie. They like till we have faces, which we think is crazy talk, but that's OK. We still yeah. love Jay and Katie. Yep. So... You know, send us your thoughts on stuff. We're interested to hear. Yeah, Jake and Nathan think Anna Karenina is the superior book to War and Peace. Well, Brandon. And we're right. That's a no, great. No, you guys are wrong. That's a great segue. <laughs> yeah. Brandon's favorite mode of transportation, the segue. The segue, that's right. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't walk. <laughs> he I doesn't walk, no. Right on a segue. And gave up the walking uh, eat ghost donuts. a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Segways over to the donut shop. That's right. And then I segue back to the next donut shop. <laughs> yep. Brandon's life is just a series of. Donut, donut shop. shop journey, donut shop journey, yeah. and so on. <laughs> I mean, I do my work remotely anyway, so I just go to donut shop to donut shop. 
Listen, yeah, that's a great transition yeah. into War and Peace because and Peace. I do not think that War and Peace is as good as Anna Karenina. And I think, actually, you want my real opinion? Yeah. Off the top? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that by comparing these two things, we're making an argument that doesn't really make sense because they're, Apples two, different, and oranges, yeah, they're huh? two different things. War and Peace is not meant to be a novel. Anna Karenina is yeah, meant to be a novel. Yeah, but that's just garbage. It's a novel. That's like spam garbage. <laughs> it's not a novel, though. What it doesn't is really it, fit. If it's not a novel? It doesn't really fit into the novel Why not? form. Explain. It's got characters it's an epic. and stuff. Argue. It's an epic. It's not epic poetry, so what? It's, it's not an epic poetry. Mm-hmm. It is kind of a class of its own. It, Tolstoy was making this thing that was trying to encapsulate. It, he was trying to write like history as history should be written. Right, which is all with, people, with all places, all yeah. times, which is impossible. And so this book in some ways feels impossible and yet somehow it works. So by that metric, I'm not allowed to compare it to anything, Brandon? Is that you what can you compare saying? it to things, sure. And 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 so here's where I'll... Here's where so I'll, you, you're allowed to compare it to things so long as you place it as superior to those things. Right. Here's where I'll, I'll bow a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think as far as a novel goes, Anna Karenina is superior. Yay. I'm just not convinced that War and Peace is meant to be a novel. As an artifact of human history, which one is better? Okay, well, no, nostal- that's, that's the right question. Nostalgia-wise, my gut says... If I were to be forced to just live with one book, consign one to the fire, and one, well, and I'm I'm willing to go so far as to say one of those two books would be the one outside of the Bible that I would live with mm-hmm. forever and not yeah. have any other books. Yeah, and without a any hesitation, it would be War and Peace for me. Well, when you put it like that, just the fact that War and Peace is so expansive gives it a little bit of an edge because it does. all you've well, got is it in the Bible that much to live with. Like, yeah, outside of the Bible, what? What captures what work, this much of yeah captures as much of the whole of human experience. The human experience, nothing. But if it was the only Tolstoy I was allowed to live with, and I could also have some other things to supplement my reading, mm-hmm. I still think Anna Karenina is superior. But that changes the question. Yeah, it does. I'm changing the question so that I can answer it, Anna Karenina. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's look, not fair. No, it is fair because <laughs> the reality is we're not limited to desert island situations, and the fact is we have a whole world, a whole Western canon and non-canon of things to choose from. And so if you're going to save one thing from the fire from Tolstoy, or if you're going to just sort of like put together your master list <laughs> and you can have one thing from any one author, I okay, fine. Maybe War and Peace does a better job of encapsulating everything that Austin and Dickens and everybody else gives you. Mm-hmm. But if you can have Dickens and Austin, then give me Anna Karenina. Well, here's where I think Anna Karenina is superior. And then throw Dickens in the fire where he belongs. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think that they, <laughs> uh, I think that they all, I think Brandon would agree. I think we would all agree that Anna Karenina, as a, structurally in terms of doing what a novel does, it's better. I it's, mean, it, as far as that's what it's intended to do, yes. Right. I just don't know if the terms better apply here. Right. But it's what like I want to say, say is, it's like saying a nocturne fails at being a sonata. Right. Or a sonata no, fails at being. No, it's not like yeah. saying that. Yeah. Yeah. It More is. Like it's a sectoring. novel. This is not a novel. Any, come on. You want me go, go to I, Wikipedia and I will see what it's classified as? I will tell you right now. Here, I'm going to type great Russian novels into Google. We'll see what comes up. But here's what the author himself says What is War and Peace? Oh, author. Who never cares know about what he own. says? I do. I always You and care Tulsa can just be in a corner. I, I care what the authors think. <laughs> oh, look. I, says, I typed in great Russian novels. Do you want to know what the first thing that comes up is, Brandon? You think War. it's Dr. Zhivago? War and Peace. <laughs> you think it's. The is Master it war- and the Margarita. Is it War and Peace? <laughs> it's War and Peace. Good. It, that's where it belongs. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> it's the great Russian novel. <laughs> Everybody knows that. If I go to, up to a homeless person on the street or a home person and I say, hey, what's the great Russian novel? They'll say, mm, War and Peace. Yeah, they, don't even, they won't even be able to say Tolstoy, but they'll be able to say yeah. War and you Peace. No, if you go and ask a classical they'll, they'll say, person, they'll, they'll say, say Crime and Punishment. Oh, well, boo That's to because them. they're idiots. Yeah. And they'll want to punish them Who cares them what the crime. idiots yeah. say? <laughs> like, go to the homeless people who are smarter. They'll say, I can't remember, is it War of the Roses or War and Peace? I think it's War and Peace. Yeah. By Alexis de Tocqueville? I don't I don't yeah. know. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're Here's not going to say, well, I would say War and Peace, but technically it's not a novel. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Only the kind of person that would answer with some Dostoevsky garbage say that. <laughs> oh, man, that, that stings, Jake. Yeah. That really well, stings. Well, obviously the it's Fathers hurts. and Sons by Churchill. Truth hurts, Brandon. What are you going to do about <laughs> it? Truth hurts me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> starting to sing. Uh, what's her name? Liz, Lizzo. Yeah. All right. I know Tolstoy said it wasn't a novel. I'm going to read you this paragraph. Okay. Lizzo. All right. Let's hear what it. is War and Peace? It is not a novel. <laughs> still less an epic poem. Still less a historical chronicle. You know, Tolstoy is allowed to be grandiose when he writes War and his War Peace is what the author but, wanted yeah. and was able to express oh, in the form on. in which it is expressed. Ah. Oh, okay. That, that clears it all up. <laughs> it's what the author wanted to express in the form in which it is expressed. Did you know it is what it is? Well, actually, so- You know, Jake, I'm going to posit to you that absolutely everything ever written is the thing- That it is. That it the is. The form matches- I agree with that statement. The form is created in you want to know Why? Way. Because it's a tautology, Brandon. The form is created in such a way as to satisfy the needs of that artistic thing, object. If he were creating a new genre, he would have imitators that succeeded in imitating his form. He did not. That's an interesting a question. Genre. I wonder if anybody has tried to imitate this. Uh, it, yeah, novelists. Well, the best way I can make sense of War and Peace, and this is where it actually does fail, Anna Karenina. And I think I said this over our Slack. Mm -hmm. And I bet people are jealous. They're not part of our Slack channel. Yeah, and well, you should be. Pony up. They should be. Because we have we amazing. Should, we should like create like a yeah a hundred or two hundred fifty dollar level that allows people to be a part of our Slack channel or okay. something. Like that down. actually, hey, yeah, give us two hundred fifty dollars a month. It it would basically it would require a lot to be able to be that. Yeah, because I mean, we be, have to have absolute to be freedom. that intimate with us. Yeah, because we, we say some pretty gnarly things in that Slack channel. Yeah, we do sometimes we even say bad words. Oh yeah, because somebody might have recommended an author that made all of us say, "I didn't realize anybody with a modicum of sense." Read that author. Yes. Only and not in those words. That author. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize anyone with a modicum of I sense. I didn't say it like that, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> you said something much more colloquial to yes. your credit. Yep. Pretty sure I said if I could. I was driving home at that moment. I think I said if I could, I'd drive myself off the road. This person was yeah. like, you know, John, I mean, the moral equivalent of Johnny Tremaine is... Uh, if there's one thing outside of scripture that best encapsulates truth and goodness and beauty, yeah, it's I mean, Johnny Tremaine. Grief. Right. Like this is about the level of <laughs> yeah. I would respect an argument of Nietzsche being Oh heck yeah. More than this person. Heck yeah. A hundred times more uh, yeah. over. I mean, wow. Yeah. So anyways. This I is mean, the length. What are we talking about? I mean to read that to, to say that that author literally has to be like the only thing that you've read outside of Johnny Tremaine. Well, like, yeah, you have to be Stupid. Stupid. I was going to say. Brandon, give me a definition. I'm bringing us back here of the in, novel. In, a, of a novel that does well, not encapsulate. I was hoping you wouldn't do in that, Nathan. 25. I was hoping you wouldn't do that. Can I go back and say what I said on Slack first? Please. Because I was about to actually give something to, to you guys. Yes, 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 yes. I think that War and Peace is best understood as a philosophical tract intermixed with about five novels. I think it's best understood as a fictitious prose narrative of book length, typically representing character and action with some degree of realism. Okay. Which is how but typically, so <laughs> typically, typically a novel follows one character, maybe two characters in the way their lives intertwine. That's a definition of like War and Peace. I mean, of Anna Karenina, sorry. Sure. And with War and Peace, you have Prince Andre's story. Then you also have Pierre's story. And you also have Natasha's story. They all intertwine it to some extent. Yeah, no, no, not to some extent. You're basically talking about two families. Yeah. yeah. But then you also have Napoleon's story. And you also have Kutuzov's story. And that's why Lord of the Rings is only about one character. Oh, wait. But it's an epic. It's about lots of characters. Yeah, but it's an epic novel. It's an epic novel, sure. It's a series of epic novels or an epic I'm not quite I novels. actually don't know if when you look up Lord of the Rings if it would say or not it's a novel if I look up fantasy novels I bet you it's the first thing that oh yeah but of course the internet's stupid Nathan why are you <laughs> trusting the internet <laughs> because it's an easy hammer to beat you with I know you deserve it's, it that's all I don't know if I deserve it <laughs> <laughs> you guys sure think I do um let's see Okay, people are going to think we're being mean to Brandon. The fact is, uh, well, the, the, the two dumbest people in the room are always going to beat up on the smartest person. Yeah, that's why you guys are always beating up on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an epic high fantasy. It's kind of weird that we're beating up on Brandon here. It says novel, but I mean, <laughs> we're really getting into, we should do an episode on novel theory and then lose all our Patreon supporters. <laughs> <laughs> no, they would love it. Yeah. That actually would be fun. We it should do that. It would be fun. Because there are so many theories of the novel because the novel itself is such a weird, dynamic, changing creature. Uh, the, the one thing that you can say about War and Peace that does set it apart for from other novels, but I don't know that if it, I don't know if it sets it apart to its credit, is that Tolstoy had a theory, mm -hmm. <laughs> and boy, did he want to make sure people understood that theory. He he wanted to make sure. Did that theory have to do with history? <laughs> <laughs> it did. 
And his disdain, utter disdain for all historians. Did it have to do with the fact that we often think that there are great men in history? Yeah. And that they're not as you know, important as we think they are? That's right. Oh. That if we take divine providence out of out of the equation, then we still have to ascribe some divine or semi-divine will somewhere. So we create this category of genius yeah. and great man. Which to be great fair, genius and does Tolstoy prove to, that? He does prove. We live in the era He's of right. social He's studies right, where people kind of know that now or, yeah. or that's accepted. Well, yeah. But I mean, in, in that era, I mean, he is reacting against something that was pretty pernicious, which was this great man theory. No, of he was. And now we live in post-colonial theory. Right. Yeah. We don't believe in great men anymore. So no, we I think we're more everything to, is shaped by its culture. But Tolstoy was actually being pretty risque and, you that's know, he was point. being super risque. And yeah. he also, I mean, the fact is he comes down at the end and just says over and over again, everybody thinks everything's all about power. And guess what? Everything today is still filtered through the lens of power. Oh man, yeah. it's so annoying. Well, it's Marxist theory yeah, for you. It's yeah. just Marxist theory and yeah. it's everywhere. And so you have Tolstoy in Russia before Marx yeah. telling us what it is and what's happening and how it's going down and how it's going to be. I mean, there's a Chestertonian level of like, I see how it's going to go down. Yeah, 200 years in advance, like yeah. 100 years, 50 years in advance. I see it all. Yep. Like- that is a lot of what's going on here. And that is, in some ways, some of the most profound stuff of this book is like, yo, Tolstoy understands critical race theory better than you do. And he never heard of this stuff. Right. Yeah. So that is the, to get us back to the main point, that is the thing that separates this from most other novels is that he has this long philosophical tract that he wants to put in the second half. To, I, to be fair, I, I would argue that both, the one thing that keeps War and Peace and Anna Karenina both from being perfect are the philosophical craziness that happens at the end. But he couches that in story in Karenina. I mean, it's Levin experiencing it. No, I I have to. Yes, that's true. That's, yeah. And that does make Anna Karenina better. Mm-hmm. But I, I did read most of the philosophical stuff at the end of this book. And at one point I was laughing out loud. Yeah. No, like I mean, he's it's hilarious. Like he's just, he has a page long quote of how historians understand things that is... Just hilarious. Well, there's that section where he compares Moscow to bees and all this stuff. Like, he's still great. And that's still great. Insofar as I don't get it, I want to say the problem's with me because he's such a genius everywhere else. He must be a genius here. You know what I mean? Like, if he's going to, if Tolstoy wants to go off on a philosophical rant, he's earned the right. Yeah. Like he's proved himself in every other place. No. So who am I to say his yeah. philosophical rants are stupid? And now this this book also, like I said, is 10 years before Anna Karenina. And I am a defender of the artist maturing. I don't often think, I think I've on record as saying, I don't often think that authors make their best works early. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, I mean, he was in his 30s when he wrote this. this a lot is, of them peak and then theory. go downhill. This is but, a mature yeah. work for him. Anna Karenina is his most mature work, I think. I do think that Anna Karenina is his most mature work. I think a lot of the stuff... What, it's if I'm not just defending nostalgia now, perspective of style and structure. In well, Karenina. if I'm not just defending nostalgia now, I think that what I saw in War and Peace this read is wow. There's a lot of stuff here that's preparing this author to write Anna Karenina. Well, and I just want to say, but it uh, still doesn't change my gut instinct to say that I would preserve War and Peace over Anna. Karenina. War and Peace has such scope that it's hard to argue against it. That's that's what War and Peace has going for it is, it the, is scope, the scope, which is just amazing. like actually now you know what. A similar argument, having read the Henriad mm-hmm. from Shakespeare, even though it's less mature than the Tempest and Lear, which I love, I think I would choose Henriad over Lear because of the scope. Oh, I would too. I would. But I yeah. would say that Lear is the mature Shakespeare. That's right? what I'm saying. In, in a similar is, vein, Anna Karenina, the depth that he sees into Anna and Levin. Yeah. And, Le- Kitty. Nothing, and, Kitty. and Kitty. Yeah. Lear and the Tempest are the mature Shakespeare. The depth that he sees into those characters is on par with anything that Tolstoy could do. Right. But I would still keep the Henriad. But I would keep Anna because I think Anna has enough scope. You know, Anna doesn't lack in scope. It has a lot of characters. It's got Stevan Oblonsky. It's got Dolly. The depth is unparalleled. That's the thing. I don't think that the portraits. I would hate to lose. The portrait. to lose it, yeah. A lot of what you get in terms of the depth of characterization in War and Peace is what you get from Austin. And in some places, and in some ways, better than Austin. I agree. Natasha is able to be Kitty and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And Austin's not able to give you an Elizabeth who's also Kitty or a Kitty who's also 
Elizabeth. And Tolstoy That's, sees that a woman could be both, where I think Austin maybe in defense of her own sex isn't quite allowed. Well, here's, here's but, a good example. Quite but allow. that still is only slightly above Austin in characterization, whereas with Anna Karenina, there is nothing in the world well, that where comes this came close. Out, where this came clearest to me was Levin is both Pierre and Andre combined. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and so you read Anna Karenina, and who doesn't come away thinking, I am Levin, and I am understood, and mm-hmm. I am seen. Yeah. Everybody reading that thinks that. Whereas you Not read- just, you read Pierre yeah. and Pierre feels like, oh, he didn't like that guy. He didn't <laughs> like himself. And then he did. You know, Pierre feels like he's doing you know where, something. You know where he Andre comes feels like he's doing something. Oh, he's the intellectual that blah, blah, blah. You can trace those guys. Levin is I just, Levin it, just lives. Levin just breathes. And Anna yeah. does too. You know, with in, this, in, with this read, the closest I came, and you made this point on our Slack again, $250, mm. people. Yeah, 250 Um, Was that... uh. The, the place you feel it the most is the epilogue with those characters where you see Pierre come into his fruition. Yeah, yeah the epilogue is... You kind of see what becomes Anna Karenina. The epilogue like brings me to tears, not with I mean, anything sad, but just, or even noble, but no, just I'm, with like it's sad. the skill, the insight. The, the epilogue the f- is when he begins to get to the genius level of Anna Karenina. And the fact honestly. that, I mean, I mean, yeah, and there's the genius showing in the throughout this work too and that he gives sympathy to people you would never expect it. Mm-hmm. The fact that he gives Nikolashinka the last bit. Yeah, sweet. It's so, it's moving. It is yeah. sweet. Yeah. And, and what did you say in the context? So I hadn't finished reading it and I was trying hard to remember. They're Decembrists. They all die, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're supposed to think that Pierre and both Pierre and Nikolashinka are headed to their deaths because yeah. of their... Because Pierre's stupid and he thinks that he can help shape Ever the, the world. the idealist. Yeah. yeah, he's an idealist. He thinks he can shape the world through his ideas and doesn't realize that there's a Stalin on the rise who doesn't trust ideas. Or a Lenin in this case. Yeah. Well, it's Nikolai. Yeah, Nicholas. Right. Nicholas Schink yeah. is going to follow him. Yeah, and they'll kill and, him. And, and Pierre is... They will be the December. ...consigning Andre's son to death. Yeah, but there's a sort of beauty and nobility to it because... Better be a dis- Decemberist than someone who just blindly follows. Right. Like Nikolai. Yeah. Well, and Pierre's never been quite fit for this world. He's always been yeah, just weird. So you could, what you could say, I mean, the counter argument would be, okay, in Anna Karenina, he gave us an everyman that we can all really enter into. With Levin, yeah. Fully with Levin. And therefore he gave us an unreality. There's no everyman that really exists that we can all fully enter into and really... But I want to. I would. But, but there are Pierre's and there are Andres. I would actually argue are, that Levin resonates for particular people. Well, I also I think that that may be fair. But but what I think we, yeah. he, what he does actually, and I think he does it here with these characters with Natasha with Pierre. He finds what's specific about people and what's universal about people, and he finds them and makes them one and the same in a way that's just. I mean, for lack of a word, that's not dumb, magical. That's what it is with Levin. Levin is a specific character. He's yeah. a type. He's a dude. You've met mm-hmm. him. You've met people that aren't him. You've met people that are him. In some ways, you are him. And he's absolutely universal, and you can see yourself in him. So I don't actually think Levin falls to that devil's advocacy. I think Levin, yeah, I think, Levin is every I man, and right. Levin is Levin. I think you're right. And I think that, and I think our listeners may, a lot of our listeners may sympathize with this, which, you know, honestly, the kind of people that, do a podcast like this and the kind of people that maybe listen to a podcast like this are maybe just the kind of people that are more Levin than not Levin. Well, can I also say the kind of people that listen to a podcast and do a podcast like this, this is kind of an argument in Brandon's camp. It feels like with Pierre, the first half of the Pierre story, he's making fun of Pierre or he has a chip on his shoulder about Pierre. Yeah, it really does. And I I remember thinking, okay, Pierre is the Tolstoy stand-in, but this is the... This is like the self-deprecating... The I, hate I hate myself. Yeah, you can see kind of what happened. Apparently, I told the legend of what happened with Anna Karenina on our mm-hmm. context with Anna Karenina, where at first she was supposed to be Nobody this hateable... Remembers, yeah. She was supposed to be a hateable character, yep. but he couldn't keep her that way. Which I love. Yeah. yeah. He that's, had to make her... If that's not the legend, that's I don't want to know. That's the greatest thing. That's great. Yeah. 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 And so you see that working out with Pierre. He wants to hate Pierre at the beginning. He wants him to just be a baboon. And it's like halfway through that it's it's around the time of the comet, Pierre becomes... Yeah, he lets him see the comet and Pierre changes. Right. And it's because of and Natasha. And he goes to prison. Yeah. And... But even with Andre, who I feel like he has more... to be more... honest, I mean, Pierre's kind of ridiculous up to that point. Yeah, That's fair and enough And there are people the like that. I, it, when we make any criticism, you have to understand we're saying, eh, the Mona Lisa's not quite perfect. 
You know, I mean, this is this is a perfect book. It's the second best book or the first best book that we've read on the bookening. I think it's one of the best books we've read. One of the two best books. The two read. best books we've read are Anna Karenina. That's what and I'm willing to say. I, I yeah. will. I will say that. I will um, say that they're better than. I'll go on than Pride and Prejudice, you. and people know how much I love that. Annie Sabidin and Annie St- anything oh, else certainly. that people have read with us and connected to on a. <laughs> and I'm willing. So we're talking about degrees from, of from from both. An objective and subjective yeah. standpoint and two of the bookening. War and Peace we is have one peaked. of the top two. We will probably period. never read something better yeah. than this on the bookening. You know bookening. what, guys? Two of the bookening guys say that Anna Karenina is better. I'm fine with Anna Karenina having first place. But as long as War and Peace and Anna Karenina are like neck and neck up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we're only arguing about whether Michelangelo or Donatello, which yeah. Ninja Turtle is better. That's what I meant. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Obviously. It's down between those two. Yeah, course. it's between those two. I mean, <laughs> Raphael, come on. Donatello was always my right. guy. But... Nobody wants to be Leonardo. Raphael, I mean, he's cool, but he's a little rude. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, he's a rude, rude dude <laughs> with an attitude. Michelangelo, so though, he's a party dude. The kind of guy who builds machines, or are you a party dude? Or are you a party the... dude? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Donatello all the way. <laughs> Donatello, baby. Where were we? We lost track with that beautiful Ninja Turtles riff. I don't know. Um... <laughs> Pierre. Oh. I don't know if this is where we were, but this is something that I wanted to say. Pierre feels like Tolstoy has a design to me. Yeah. Like he wants yeah, Pierre right. to represent this. And Andre, same thing. Andre feels like it's Tolstoy's theory of history personified. Here's this dude that has all these grand notions yes. of great men who's in love with Napoleon. And then he learns, oh, actually, I should just be a cool dude and lead my men. And I should tell Kutuzov and the emperor himself that like, Sorry, dude, I'm going to be with my guys because that's where that's, that's where, where the Russian is. spirit is. Yeah. I, I'm going to go from he, he, he feels like Tolstoy has a point. And that's great. Jane Austen has a point. All the great authors that we read has a point. But it doesn't quite get to the level of Levin just breathing and living and just yeah, being right. a guy. Anna Karenina ne- never just has that point like that. Right. Both Anna- the main characters. And I, I would say actually Natasha is the one that comes the closest for me, at least. Natasha just feels like, well, she's Natasha. She does what Natasha does. Uh, I think Pierre comes pretty close at the end. He does. Pierre goes through a lot of well, permutations. The character that also fits that is Petya, because you... Yeah. Oh, he's man. just such an immature little puppy. Yep. And then he just goes... He's perfect. Yeah, popped. Yep. Yep. He feels as true to life as any of the other characters. Yeah. I mean, can I just make my Coen Brothers point real fast? Please. It's, uh, I think with this book... I mean, it, maybe it fails in the end of being the great novel like Anna Karenina, but you definitely see Tolstoy unintentionally because he had no idea who the Coens were mm-hmm. outdoing everybody with this book. You have yeah, these little moments you where went he to just the Coens with, and I went to Hemingway. Yeah, he's but, just like showing everybody how to do it. Well, it's just yeah. that it's the unfair, quick. I was it thinking of what was the Buster Scruggs or whatever it was that made me so I never mad. Saw that, yeah, it's worth seeing the Ballad yeah. of. Yeah, well, there's a particular short story in there called The Girl Who Got Rattled. Which, yeah, which made me so about. angry because I was just like, this is so pointless. Well, it's also, it's, it just captures the unfairness. That's the word I keep coming back to. But so, and like, that's what ends up, and when I read this here, it, it made me realize what makes me so angry with the Coens mm-hmm. is when you watch a Cohen short like that, they want you to think, oh, how clever the Coens are. Mm-hmm. When you read Tolstoy, you don't get that at all. He's just like, this happened to Petya. Aren't you sad? You know, I want to say, in some ways, for me, Natasha, Petya, and Nikolai are all more successful. I mean, again, we're talking about the Rostovs. The Rostovs, in general, are more successful. Count Rostov is amazing. They're the the most well-rounded. I mean, if you want It doesn't feel like Tolstoy is making a point. It feels like he's just following these characters. With Count Rostov, who does he outdo? Austin. He outdoes. That's with Berg and um, whatever. uh, Berg and uh, Julia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Julie. Yep. And, uh, oh, that's right. Carrie, where he Count Rostov, he, he outdoes Dickens. Yeah. Because Dickens always wanted to paint you cartoons. Count Rostov is a little bit cartoonish, but he's still real. Well, you know where I think he, he does outdoes Dickens? Where you finished with that point? I'm sorry. No, no. go ahead. place where I think he specifically, probably in his mind, said, I'm going to repudiate Dickens. I think Tolstoy may well have been conscious of this, because I know he was a big Dickens, he was a Dickens fan, fan yeah. right? Is Sonia. Because Dickens is full of mm. beautiful, self-denying girls who end up getting what they, having a happy ending because Dickens sentimentally wants them to have a happy ending. And, and 19th century Victorian literature is full of that stuff. And I think Tolstoy specifically wanted to say, Austin no, Sonia, you messed up. You should have gone after what you wanted, actually. Like, you shouldn't have been so... Well, she was too clever by half, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what she thought was 
oh, I know what's going to happen. Andre's going to recover. Wow. Andre and Natasha are going to get together. And I'm going to score points mm-hmm. by letting Nikolai off the hook. This is all going to work out great for me. And then it doesn't. And then she just becomes Maria two, <laughs> part two, which is yeah. really sad, I think. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about anti-Dickens is Maria, right? If she was a Dickens character, she would be completely angelic. So she would never get angry at little Nikolashinka. Mm-hmm. Yep. She would never have these moments where she's like her father. But instead, here we have a well-rounded character who well, the straight up is full of weakness, mm-hmm. sin. Realism. The realism of Tol- Tolstoy is... Yeah. Astounding. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's what we were saying, you know, when we were talking about it off mic. He, he's like an alien from another planet who... Who just observes showed up and was able to observe everything mm-hmm. with right. objectivity yep you know he's like this guy who uh, how is it possible no oh, that's what i felt when i first read him i think it was the perfect moment for me i, I mentioned that in baggage mm-hmm. but i posted some videos to instagram but it was literally in a very fancy music hall with all the rich people yeah chatting with her champagne i posted a video of what it looked like angels on the side of it with trumpets in a most important piano competition in the world happening there. And then you had basically Anna Scherer's soiree happening mm-hmm. right there. I was like, man, that's like, this guy he got it. He gets it. It's like, yeah. Well, I think with Sonia and Maria particularly, you see him, just any other author could be so sentimental about both of those characters and he refuses. And not in a nasty Coen well, Brothers kind of, I'm going to I'm gonna show you how He's not reality really or works. or sentimental. Yeah. It's, he's a realist. He's just realistic. Uh-huh. And that's the thing that get these moments of like, you know, Amanda, when I was reading and coming near the end and I was telling her, you know, everybody's dying, everybody's going to die. She was like, are you going to be wrecked? I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And it's not because it's any less real. It's because maybe in some ways it's more real. He, he doesn't care so much about my catharsis. It's, he's not sentimental. Right. We're not saying something about all the young soldiers who died. We're just saying... They Petya, died. Petya died. It's sad. They died. People die, and you're yeah. going to die too. But it's and, not a symbol of I anything want, bigger. What I want, if there's anything that I want, it's for you to realize, hey, everybody dies. Everybody's forgotten. Everybody dies in their own special way, and it's not really that special. Petya dies. Old Count Rostov is going to die. Like, Andre's going to die. Everybody's going to die, and you're going to die too. And it's sad, and it's scary and it's beautiful and you'd better figure out how to live well and die well and suffer well and teach your children to suffer well because that's really all you got at the end of the day you you can't control the course of history you're not going to influence these great events but what you can do is you get married and you can have babies and you can teach them to live and to suffer well and you can not be too high-minded about yourself and you can uh, look at reality and see it for what it is everybody's on their course and they're going to play their part and there's a divine hand that's guiding it all and you ought to strive to fear god and be righteous and not be afraid to look at things the way they are that's what tolstoy tries to give you that that if there's a feeling or something that he tries it's that it's not really wreck you kind of sad it's just sort of sober yeah this is what happens I, it'll what be it interesting yeah. we've been talking i think did we decide we're going to watch the bbc version we're, of we're pretty right close or, okay well we're folks we haven't it. officially decided but if we do do people want to hear us talk about the bbc yeah version? let us know folks here's the thing i bet that version has an opinion on it whether sonia it sentimentalizes it i'm sure I, i'm oh. sure maria it might even do kind of the cynical Game of Thrones thing. Like Maria finally figured out <laughs> she needed to go after what she wanted, and then she got yeah. Nikolai and she nailed him down. Whereas Sonia was it'll give a self-denying. Spin to it. Well, I don't know what it'll. Yeah, you're probably right. But even if it doesn't do that, it'll take sides mm-hmm. in a way that you know Anatole and Helena will be the bad guys. There's a little bit of that. I'm not saying Tolstoy Dolokhov is the bad guy, but even Dolokhov loves his mom. I mean Tolstoy. Yeah, yeah, but. I actually liked Dolokhov better than, I think Helena is the only person that I just like. Hate. Yeah. She felt like a Dickens. Helena you know, was This is the just the villain. Yeah. Bum, bum, she, bum. There are two the characters that are completely one dimensional. Well, mm-hmm. maybe three. You said Rostopchin. Rostopchin, right, yeah. Rostopchin. Napoleon's pretty one dimensional and Helena is pretty one dimensional. But insofar as Napoleon's one dimensional, it's Tolstoy saying, 
but here's another dimension to this great man that you thought you knew. Yeah. And and to be fair to Tolstoy, there are some people who so give themselves over to their lusts and their sins that they become pretty one dimensional. Mm-hmm. I've got one person in mind right now. I think we all know Helena's Anatoles. We definitely know a million Anatoles. Anatole. I mean, Jane Austen knew her share of Anatoles. Yeah, I mean, he's just Wickham or Willoughby. Yeah, exactly. He's right. he's like the classic Austen villain. Spoilers for Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. You say Anatole or Anatole? Anatole is what I say. No, I, what I, I said Anatole, but that's because I'm a rube. Well, I, did, I didn't know. I, I was just asking. I've always said, I said Anatole. I said Anatole, but I didn't know. Anatole. You know, it's funny. A lot of translations have... Does Does Constance Gardner do the accent, Andrew? Accent. Or sorry, Constance who? No, she says Anatole. Does she do... Did, but does she do Andrew and Mary? Instead of Andre. No, she says Andre. Because I've seen some translations that do Andrew and Mary. I think that might be, yeah, Maria. I've seen those and translations. Nicholas, Mary or Maria. For all of or, Constance Garnett's faults, she preserves the Russian names fairly faithfully, if, as far as I remember. Because these were all familiar names to me. And I grew up with, well. She didn't give you Peter. She yeah. didn't give me Peter. Well, guys, this has been a complete grab bag of a conversation. I, yeah. I planned for it to be much more structured, but this is actually a kind of hard novel to talk about because... It's so much fun. We had the same problem with Anna Karenina. Yeah, it's just like, it's great. That part was great. I don't know how to talk about it. It's just, it's good. What about that Troika ride through the snow? Oh, man. Oh, man. That yeah. and the hunt and the dance after the hunt. Yeah. yeah. Almost Karenina level, Brandon. Almost right Karenina there. level. Yeah. The rain on the back. Well, honestly, the rain on the back, Levin in the field and Levin going hunting, I would say, are the equal of those scenes. Nikolai hunting is pretty much the equal of Levin hunting. I mean, that hunting scene is amazing. Well, if you want to compare hunting scenes, I think the hunting scene with- I think the hunting scene in War and Peace is better. Yeah, yeah. Nikolai and and the fact that, uh, what's her face, Natasha comes with and then- They end up at the uncle's house. The uncle's house with the troika. And that Christmas scene where they go with the mummers, that's- Oh, man. People ask me of the greatest Christmas moments. I think of Weirdly the Dead by Mm -hmm. Joyce. I think correctly, but weirdly, weirdly, but correctly. And I think of that scene. Well, and... And also, I think of Willa Cather. Sure, yeah. But capturing young love, I mean, it's funny that Tolstoy himself is not romantic about it, and it does not, in fact, work out in the novel. But the... But, the oh, he nails it. But just Andre, like... It puts me back in, like, yeah, Christmas exactly. dance in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's high school. Back to pretty girls thing. back in the carriage behind you. But it's not yeah, just pretty. It's, it's like she contains, yeah. she yeah. contains all life she is the vital thing well, it's she the is thing. it's like you're coming up to christmas and it's like yeah if you if you don't have a girlfriend at christmas time it's because you're ugly right and yeah. stupid better be somebody that you and here there's always going to be somebody you're going to fall in love with and right. this is christmas when they're st- in the snow when they yeah. stand in the, the snow snow like sugar with the moonlight shining on it and she's got a fake mustache because they're doing the mummer thing yeah, or whatever but she looks beautiful but she's strange. beautiful yeah, anyway you've been out caroling like, or you've you done, done some, like, yeah, some weird is, school yeah. like you've done something for the homeless or whatever some dumb yeah it doesn't matter what it is she's a little like, bit out of breath yeah, it's, yeah her face I mean, is her cheeks are rosy flushed. because of yeah. of the weather and everything else and we've all been like, there we've all been there yeah and Tolstoy he captures it perfectly so you just want to make those horses fly over the snow to impress her to get the yeah, yeah you're gonna race and you, yeah. you and your friends are gonna do a thing and you're gonna like and you're gonna win and yeah yeah no it like I can talk about also I feel it yeah, I, I feel like going all the way back to middle school. Mm-hmm. All the way like, back to middle school, yeah. Makes yep. me think, my son, I got to watch him. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Also, talk about knowing the, uh, having the number of the teens. When you have that scene where Anatole and they all bring that guy who would like drive them around the city and run people over mm-hmm. in his carriage. Remember that guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, man, yep. you're like Tolstoy, he, he can put to shame. I mean, he's like, he's got the, what's that Grand Theft Auto, whatever. Yeah. That whole culture, the- yeah, Tokyo Drift. What's yeah, that yeah. show? Uh, Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious. <laughs> he's like he's got all these kids' numbers. Well, yeah. the fact yeah. I mean, he knows what drives these boys. It's, it's just wanting to go out and be impressive to girls. That's mm-hmm. it. Well, heck yeah! I mean, we did that. I mean, we yeah. did street races and yeah. dumb stuff like that, and our dumb little Ford Tauruses and Honda Civics. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, man. And then he gets the mid twenties. I think I am spiritually enlightened because I've fallen in love with a beautiful chick. Yeah, <laughs> that whole thing. And, you know, Andre and Pierre both do it. Yeah, <laughs> I have entered into a new phase of enlightenment. No, you haven't. <laughs> Natasha's cute. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> you dummy. I will. I will walk past the tree, and it will be in bud. And I will think, no, no, no. Come no, on. No, no, no. We know what you are. <laughs> we know. I will think of the girl who said she could fly up into the. No, come on, Andre. 
<laughs> Andre, you thought you were such a serious person. Well, don't well, do that. <laughs> I love Andre. Andre's always been one of my favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah. Andre's great. He's pretty great. He is. <laughs> we were supposed to talk about him this episode. Yeah, this episode was supposed to be the Andre and Pierre episode, but was it? I think we're we're about out of time here. So. Yeah, so we'll have to do that next episode. Yeah, I guess so. We'll have to do more after that. Yeah. Yeah, this, I'm sorry, folks. We are going to get you your year of Tolkien, which, by the way, it's not 52 episodes about Tolkien, in case Tolkien. anyone was, to, About Tolkien. It's not 52 episodes about Tolkien. Are we doing that again, Nathan? Yeah, now finally Brad from Britain can understand us again. Hey, Brad, it's hey, been Brad. like two years, I Yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked to you for a while, mate. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um, crackers and I mean cookies. Wait, we got crackers in our cookies? I mean crackers when I... S- when I say crackers, I mean cookies. Oh. Give me so a cracker. You want some Ritz cookies? <laughs> yeah, I do, Nathan. You got it. <laughs> yeah. Or some Christmas crackers. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Quality wow. content from the booking. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought you meant, I thought biscuits. Is oh, good. biscuits, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Ritz biscuits. Ritz biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> Ritz biscuits. Now we understand. Yeah, now Brad's understood all this. He's been, I don't know why he even listens to the other stuff. Uh, what are we talking just, about? Yeah. Are the new listeners finally gone? <laughs> they, they made it pretty far this time. <laughs> about oh, we were apologizing. For, this was supposed to be Andre and Pierre, and it's not been at all. No, <laughs> well, it's been a smattering. No, I mean, it, it, I don't know. This book's so much fun to talk about. It's just like you you want to talk about everything. Three more all episodes once. talking about this. Yeah, yeah. But what I was gonna say, yes, here's what I was gonna say. We will get to Tolkien. We're not doing 52 episodes on Tolkien. We are doing an episode a month. On Tolkien, and that will probably start in February. Honestly, because War and Peace, sorry, people. folks, but we gotta we gotta do this thing justice. Like. I want to promise people. Well, and the fact is, we unlocked the thousand dollars a month in January. Yeah, we still have to like yeah. read the, some of the We've books. Got, and... We got to give us some time to. Brandon get, has to, to get, get a context ready. Yeah, Brandon yeah. doesn't just like pull these contexts out this of his head. Takes time. I like to yeah. do some reading, people. Yeah. I like to do. Maybe I should start posting my sources. I think you should actually online just so for people fun. can see yeah. what I do. Yeah. To put it on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Brendan, Brendan put some work. You like, really should follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. We'll provide our sources. It's just a good thing to do anyways. For context, I will give you the sources we, I, I use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you'll, you'll know. I mean, when we give you a context for Tolkien in February, there's work that's going to go into that. There's going to be books that I read. There's going to be stuff that we do. So. And meanwhile, he's got to like feed his family. He's got to kiss his wife. Brandon's got a busy life. supposed to be writing a dissertation. He's, he's trying to write a dissertation, folks. But you people keep giving us money. And so I have other books I have to read instead of the books I'm supposed to be reading for my dissertation. Yeah. And let's not forget, we've got Austin coming around the corner. And, and I've got to find something new to do about her, with her. Last, I mean, last year I read the book by her nephew. Yeah, I don't know what you're going to do this year. I don't either. <laughs> she was a lady. I think I'm going to try to read some of her letters, actually. I, I may have already done that, Nathan. Yeah, her letters are great. Yeah. Cool, I'm glad you did. Anyway, we're going to give War and Peace its due, though. War and Peace comes first, because it is actually it one, of, it. one of the two best books we've read on the booking, the other one being Anna Kay. Yeah, it is. Um, honestly. Yep. We'll be back next week with more, perhaps more linear thoughts on War and Peace, eh? Yeah. Sounds Folks? good. All right, guys, we've got some patrons. We do. So they're the reason we have to read Tolkien. <laughs> they're the reason we ha- we get to read Tolkien. We get to. Re- I'm actually. Hey, guys, positive energy. I'm really excited about Tolkien. I am I too. Like Tolkien. I haven't read it since I was a kid, and I loved it then. And I have not come back to it. I've seen a million Peter Jackson movies in between. I've read the Lord I've of the n- I've not read it since before Peter Jackson. Since before I knew who Peter Jackson. I was. have. I've read the Lord of the Rings a few times. Actually, I never finished uh, Return of the King the first time through. Yeah. But I've read Fellowship twice now. I'm, I'm in the process. I mean, I got to jump start with my kids because I wanted to do this with Good. my kids. Well, so. and it'll be Begin super to fun realize, to hear about your kids' reaction. I never realized that. Yeah, Lord of the Rings ranks up there pretty highly with books I've reread. By the way, uh, would people like to guess? I just reorganized my books at home, all my all my books. So I now know I've, rank, I've, I've put all the authors together. Mm-hmm. Guess which author I have the most books of. Agatha Christie. No. Ernest Klein. No. C.S. Lewis. Yes. Buy like 10 books. You wrote a lot of books, that guy. Yeah. So, By 10 books, you must have like a pretty complete Lewis collection. I have actually. a huge Lewis collection. I have a pretty decent library, Nathan. Yeah. Well, oh, Brandon Brandon's has an awesome library, library. Is the kind of library that you would pay to have access to, to be honest. We should do a behind the scenes video, behind the paywall video, just of Brandon showing us around his library. It would, that would be fun. Be well worth it. We'll do it, folks. The crazy thing 
I mean, I remember the first time I saw Brandon's library and I was making jokes about how impossible it was that he had read even a fraction. And he was like, what percentage of your library would you say that you've read? That's a good question. It's a big library, folks. I was blown away. For a while, I had a principle that I would only buy a book if I had at least tried to read it. I'm I'm of the camp that if I start it and it's no good, I won't finish it. Sure. I don't know. Like you hear the stories of people who have their amazing libraries and you can pick any book and they can like and turn to a page and start a quote and they can finish it or mm-hmm. whatever, like those kinds of lies. But like of the men we know, Brandon comes Bra- Brandon far and away the closest. Far and away. Far and away. Lives up to that kind of legend. Yeah. Whatever you've heard about people, like we'll show you Brandon's library and we'll do we'll we'll go through and And it won't be staged. No. I guarantee you. I'm if we can find a book on one of Brandon's shelves that he's not read or at least tried to read. At least try to read. We will impress ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Be ready to be impressed at my <laughs> library. <laughs> guys, we've got donors. Now, how do you get a donor shout out, guys? Ten bucks a month, patreon.com forward slash the bookening. That's all it takes. Hey by the way, if you're strapped for cash, just spread the word. Yeah. That's that's one thing that I'd really like is just for more people to know about the bookening. So pick out your favorite episode. Maybe it's the Ready Player One episode where Jake makes Brandon repudiate Tolstoy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's a maybe, good episode. Maybe it's the poetry episode where the one in my kitchen that apparently was our representative episode for a while, Anna was telling me. Yeah, it was marked as a bonus episode so that people wouldn't think it was important, but it turns out that Apple puts bonus episodes right near the top. Yeah. So she recommended to her friend that she listen to the booketing, and that was the episode that she listened to. Oh. The one in our kitchen. She thought it was fine. Well, good. Oh. She didn't know what else to expect. Though. I have now rectified it since Anna told me that. Maybe it's East of Eden Part 3. Yeah, it's a good episode. Maybe it's one of the Hollow Scream episodes. Yeah. Probably. <coughs> Maybe yeah. it's the episode about H.P. Lovecraft's The Outsider. Probably uh, I forgot about that episode. Yeah. <laughs> the greatest work of literature we've read. Yeah, there are so many episodes I've forgotten about. <laughs> Unhappy is he who <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> lives in Damask Halls of Eldritch <laughs> Horror and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, a lot of books. Maybe it's one of those weird episodes with just me and Jake. There's a couple of those. More episodes with you and Brandon than me and you. Yeah, for a while, it was episode. for a while you and me had. We did a Stephen King and whatever. We did another one that people like. Yeah, it might be it. Well, I mean, Commander da- Daddy was born out of that. Yeah, the, yeah. The, if you want to find me on PlayStation. Is it Commander Daddy? It's Commander Daddy 84. Hey, there you that's go. My, that's my uh, <laughs> my call sign or yep. whatever. You can ask Commander Daddy username 84. username on PlayStation. So if you want to see all the NBA 2K trophies that I have. Mm-hmm. I Commander do. Daddy 84, there Commander you go. Commander Daddy 84, yeah. You want to know why it's Commander Daddy 84? Because some jerk. Took hey, Jake Commander Mantle. Daddy already? Hey, Commander Daddy. You gotta be oh. kidding me. I know. Is Nathan? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brennan? Yeah. Can you do a Russian accent? Oh, I cannot, Nathan. Okay. <laughs> Very French. Give me my vodka. All right. I need you to do a Russian accent. Okay. Jake, I need you I to try. say a color. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. All right. Here we go. Okay. All right. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Robert and Rhonda, the lovebirds. Red. The Artful Anthony Dodger. Artful Anthony Dodger with your cigar store. Blue. It sounds so Russian. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Little Anthony Cigar Store. That's the cigar store right there. That's Anthony Dodger. No, he didn't. He said Anthony Dodger. I messed it up. He said Anthony. (laughs) Cigar store, you know. Green. Ukraine. Trump. The moral Chelsea E. Immortal Chelsea. Magenta. Ayo, let's drink some vodka together. <laughs> Our new favorite character, Russian Brandon. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just guttural. Yeah. I think <laughs> I sound like the guy from uh, Despicable Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah <basically>. Groot. <laughs> Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley. Little Annie Oakley. Hey, how are you doing there? I like a yeah. uh, Tar Heel Blue. Blue. Yeah, I like that. Tarheel Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. And Andrew and Esther, the lovebirds. Robin's egg blue. The little bitty birds. The little birds in the trees. The lovebirds. The lovebirds just singing. Gotta get through this guy. The Keith Master. The Keith Master. Hey, Keith Master, how you doing? David's mighty man trucking. David's mighty man trucking. Come over to the Russia. John and you, the little baby Max. Like the ice road trucking. John and Jill. Getting her cold enough cheese and also C.S. Lewis. Including C.S. Lewis. I love him. I don't 
No, Very princess of wonder and happiness, man. happy, happy. We're not happy in Siberia. We put you there, and you will not be very happy anymore. You know? <laughs> but hey, what do we say? <laughs> a different shade of purple. Uh, Royal purple. Yes. Only the most true and sympathetic, insightful... From looks the Russian Russia. Brandon, from Brandon. Yes, right. That's from, right. From Brand, Russian Brandon. That's Russian Brandon. Uh, okay, Russian yes, Brandon so does not it. deal in stereotype. <laughs> no, uh, I do not. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Yeah, we did that. Oh, Consul Prime Adam. Consul Prime Adam, that sounds very Russian right there. You want it's to come enjoy Scarlet. Uh, Jerry the Dark is yes. Lord of Death. Charcoal. I know him very Nathan, not me. Nathan, not Turquoise. That's very confusing. Is he not Maya! 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 Aqua. Maya. Ryan Maya, the Red Maya, Avenger Maya, and Ryan Judith of the Lady of Justice. He's red. Does he have the sickle, though? That's he's the question. Red is red. He does not have the ammo in the sickle. Blood red. He's not a real comrade of mine. <laughs> Danny the dude. Danny's the dude. Brick red. What is this American word, dude? DJ Sammy G. DJ Sammy G. I bet some idiot out of your wicked wicked. Yeah, he thinks that's really cool. Benny and Danny Tiberius. Danny Tiberius. That sounds wrong to me. Eric and Catherine from Yawn Window Breaks. Eric and Catherine from Yawn Window Breaks. X. Professor Nitty X. Uh, Professor Nitty X. That sounds very mysterious to me. I like that. Lavender's green. Dylan Dylan. Lavender's blue. Lavender's green. I love you too. Noah Constrictor. Green. Merit Cheap. The fair and fragrant maiden Chloe. Six bags with a mean attack and Catherine with a knack for laying down the smack. Anthony who is cold and hates life, liberty, and the cold too. Jiu-Jitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger. Texas Ranger, hey, I like Walker. He's amazing. He's a hero of mine. Rachel. I mean, Rachel. 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 Leopard Tank Thomas. Leopard Tank Thomas. You bring your tanks to Russia. We'll show you real tanks. You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll show you where we hide. No, I really don't know what you mean. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean, your yeah, American yeah. tanks are very petty, and they're small tanks, and we'll <laughs> we'll show you the real tanks, you know, Russian tanks, fueled by vodka. <laughs> Thank, thanks. 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 Midnight Ninja Ellen. Midnight Ninja Ellen. Maybe that sounds blue. scary. Who's she? <laughs> Queen Congetta. Queen Congetta. Is that like a Kendrick Lamar song? I, I'm just confused. <laughs> Return of the Jedediah? Return of the Jedediah. King Kunta. Yeah, King Kunta. Yeah, that would be King Kunta. Jay of Rack and Ruin. Jay of Rack and Ruin. I like Rack and Ruin. Yeah, and I, we could be friends. We could drink a glass of vodka together. We could be friends. How's that sound? Now we've got two more, but... Oh, no. Russian Brandon has to go. What? By Russian Brandon. Uh, who says I have to go anywhere? <laughs> I do. Bang. Oh, American shot. Bang. Oh, it's like always. Bang. I'm dead. Uh, another classic appearance from <laughs> Russian Brandon, right up there with the mysterious phantom in terms of beloved booking characters. <laughs> we should see if we can get the Russian Brandon and, uh, the mysterious phantom to appear at the same time. Oh, be great. That'd be fun, yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> be a, a match made in uh, somewhere. All right. Mysterious phantom just poked his head up over on Santa Sanity. Yeah, he did, just for a... a Blinking, really? blinking, you'll yeah. miss him. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I'm trying to remember what happened. I think a he was looking for Bradley, and <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah, it's New oh, Year's Eve. I'm not sad that he hasn't found Bradley. <laughs> you know, we have two people to welcome though. Do we really? And I want English Brandon or American Brandon. <laughs> English Brandon. You don't English want... Brandon. I know. <laughs> I'll give you English Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> My accent's all the best, Nathan. Top yeah. notch. Top notch. Top notch. <laughs> No, I think Woo. that American Brandon and American Jake should welcome. Okay, Timothy. Timothy, welcome, Timothy. Welcome, Timothy. Or as I like to call him, Timothy the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> no, Brandon. He needs a cooler name than that. <sighs> Timothy the Tank. <laughs> no, he's not Timothy the Tank. <laughs> Come on, give Timothy a little dignity. Timothy is the Rider at Dawn. Timothy the Rider at Dawn. I like that. Timothy the Rider at Dawn. What do you think, Russian? Brandon, I think that's very good, Brandon. <laughs> Timothy's a writer at dawn, you know. So, the Red Dawn, Red Dawn, you like to. Yeah. Well, this is interesting because we actually have another couple with a very similar name. Really? You guys, is it Eric and Catherine again? Well, you know, you are. We we have Eric and Catherine from Yon Window Breaks. Yeah. We've also now got Eric and Kate. Eric and Kate from Yon Window Prates. Jake, I can't accept that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's pretty lame. I love you. 
but Eric and Kate deserve better. Eric and Kate. Well, I'm sure you've already thought of something better. I have not. You didn't think about this beforehand, Nathan? No, we need to workshop it here. How about Eric and Kate? I like Jake's instincts. Let's go with something that plays off of previous things. Like if Jay and Katie are are cold and love cheese, maybe Eric and Kate are warm. And love bees. And love bees. (laughs) (laughs) Are warm and have fleas. I kind of like warm. Mine's mine's better than that. (laughs) I like warm and love bees. (laughs) And also Jane Austen. Well, they can. can... Leo Tolstoy. (laughs) (laughs) What in the world was that, Nathan? I sneezed. I'm that was the strangest sneeze I have ever seen. Her. Done here. <laughs> Eric and Kate, we might upgrade your name next episode, but for this episode, you're going to be Eric and Kate, who are warm <laughs> and love bees. But we got to give them the longer tag after that, and also Jane Austen and Tolstoy and everything wonderful about literature. And also Jane Austen and, and Tolstoy, Tolstoy and everything wonderful about literature. And everything wonderful about literature. Since Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese, have decided to declare themselves as Camp Lewis. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can con- declare yourselves as Camp Anti-Lewis or Camp Chesterton or Champ Camp Camp Champ. Yep. Camp Champ. Camp Champ. That Care Bears movie. You know what? That's who they are. Eric and Kate, the Camp Champ Kings. Eric and Kate, the Camp Champ Kings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. There- you got that Care Bears <laughs> reference. Uh, you can at me. Care Bear Stare. Care Bear Chart. Care Bear Cousins Ho. Care Bear Cousins Ho. Care Bear Cousins Ho. (laughs) I feel like this episode is done. Written, kind of, performed, <laughs> arguably, <laughs> uh, <laughs> edited, <laughs> most definitely. <laughs> uh, folks, we'll be back next week with more wonderful War and Peace and Year of Tolkien's coming up soon. Think the way we're going to do that, by the way. Can we just tell the folks? Yeah. So, do it. Do it. So, okay. the way we're going to do that is. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> more lightning. <laughs> So much light. We got Palpatine Brandon's here. <laughs> Give it, David. Uh, Palpatine Brandon, how do you feel about Russian Brandon? Uh, he's a loser. <laughs> he's Kill a loser, him. yeah. Kill them all. We, Kill, we, him. We, Kill him. We agree. Do it. Um, the way we're going to do it is starting February, you're going to get an episode of Context about Tolkien from Brandon Chastine. Me and Jake will say, yeah, interesting, Brandon. <laughs> Sometimes, yes. <laughs> and then the month out of, after that, you're going to get The Hobbit. The month after that, you're going to get book one. Now, what do I mean by book one? I don't mean The Fellowship of the Ring. I mean book one of The Lord of the Rings, which is like half of Fellowship. You know how it's divided up into books? You're gonna the get one Crossing of, of the Brandywine. Right. I think that's what it is, right? Precisely. And then you'll get book two the next month, book three, book four. There's six books in all, so that'll take us through about half the year. And then you'll get some movies, some whatever else we feel like doing, but you'll definitely be getting some Tolkien every month. Lots of Tolkien. Lots of Tolkien. We're excited about it. And Brandon's eating chips. Some chips out of here. I think that means we should be done. I think so. We love you. Some of us do. And good night. And good night. Good afternoon. The snow fell on the... The snow fell faintly and faintly falling, like the descent of their last end over all the living. And the dead. dead.